Well, it was a hard-fought series. Obviously, uh, you know, tonight was another battle. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't find a way to win it, which, you know, playoffs is, uh, you got to be able to find win ways to win games. But I thought, you know, we battled hard throughout the series. We gave ourselves, uh, you know, some chances to win some games and four overtime games are there. But, you know, the next step is finding ways to, to, to win these games and be able to continue to advance. Uh, as far as the season, I thought the you know the battle level, the toughness, the style of play, the identity that we had that allowed us to get into the playoffs and earn our way into the playoffs is something that um, you know was missing a year ago. So we established you know we established more of an identity that is more about uh, winning and getting in. But there's another level we got to get to. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh... It's tough to, to end that way so abruptly and um, really proud of this group. Um, I mean, where we came from at the start of the year to how we started playing um, to where we are now and um, give them credit, they played a great series. Um, but I think this group showed that we, we have a lot of character in that room. Um, we have a lot of, of talent, a lot of potential and we, uh, we, work, our, we work really hard and um, it got us this far and uh, obviously we wanted to go farther, but um, four overtime games in a row and um, that's a, a really good hockey team over there and we, we showed that we can, uh, we can hang with them. Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Scott Stapp's number one fan, Adam Vingan, on Twitter at Scott Stapp Lover 89. <laughs> um, that was quite a topic of discussion in my household uh, post game, but we will get to that in just a minute, of course. Pay for good journalism. Go to theathletic.com. Uh, Lots of good stuff up there, of course, in the aftermath of the Preds fourth overtime game and second consecutive overtime loss to Carolina as the Hurricanes have won the series four games to two. Uh, today on the show will be fairly quick and fairly short and will be, I'll call it the crime scene investigation of game six and sort of a, a quick and dirty look at the series. Next week, we'll be back on our normal schedule with a Wednesday pod. Uh, you've already hinted at this with your article on The Athletic about sort of the, the next week will be the autopsy. The, the entire full season autopsy and look ahead at what is facing the Predators this summer. Go read Adam's article on The Athletic, so go check that out. Uh, before we do any of this, though, however, the gold standard is brought to you by... Before I say that, I just want to make people know, I just want to make it clear that I haven't actually changed my Twitter handle to ScottStappLover89 or whatever I said a few minutes ago. I'm, I'm glad you said brought that. brought to you by Jaspers. I'm glad you said that because I'm I I was worried that everyone thought that you actually had done that. Can you take me higher? That's such a um, pretty good, uh, right? An, an interesting look into what happened in my house after after the game, where I am with with like eight, sixteen in laws. It was quite a conversation. So we'll get to that. Are you going to do this the entire show? Because Preds fans lost the series, and I don't know if they need to take another beating, okay? <laughs> Go to Jaspers. <laughs> Go to Jaspers, where they probably don't play Creed. And and you can drown your sorrows if you're feeling bad. 
You can drink a gold standard cocktail. No more Preds games for happy hour, but of course they do have a great happy hour, four to six every single day, Monday through Friday. So go check that out. They also have great deals and specials almost every single night on whether it's burgers and draft beers and taps or champagne or whatever. They always have a great deal. Great place to go check out lunch as well. If you work over on West End, so go check out Jasper's, of course, free parking, great menu by Deb Paquette. uh, And obviously we appreciate their support. So go to Jasper's to celebrate or drown your sorrows, whatever it is you feel. Because we're going to look back at Game 6 and sort of digest Game 6 and, and a lot of the series. But I, I do. I think we start today, Adam, and this is what I'm struggling with here. The team overachieved in the playoffs this year. They may be overachieved in the second half of the season. But they also gave up a, goal, a, a one-goal lead in each of the last two games in which they had opportunities to win. Be- because we just heard Ryan Ellis who tends to be generally you can kind of tell he's pissed off and angry about a loss, but he always kind of leans into the positive uh, uh, outwardly. And you just heard that. So I guess the question is how should we feel right now? That's a complicated question because you can make an argument for both sides. As you said, the predators overachieved this season well, did they though? Because I, I think I think in the second half. In the second half, they overachieved. Ultimately, we talked about this when they made the playoffs. Ultimately, they ended up where we thought they would end up. They were a fourth place team. We did not expect them to hit rock bottom in March and, and be in, in serious danger of missing the playoffs. Um, but ultimately they got to the point where we thought they would be, which is a bubbled playoff team that, you know, could give a higher seed, a a competitive series, but ultimately lose. And that's, and that's what happened. So I think if you look at the season from that perspective, just about where it ended, what their regular season record was and how it ended, I think they basically met expectations. Um, but when you dig deeper and you, we talk about where they were in mid-March, all of the conversations that we had in February and March about you know, deconstructing the roster and the proper way to rebuild and all of the players we would trade, you know, we basically punted on the season two or three months ago. And then they went on this remarkable run. And within that run, you saw the makings of a team that could be something. Um, UC Soros was magnificent, first and foremost. And we'll talk about the game in a minute. But he deserved a lot better than he got, especially last night. Um, The emergence of several young players... Ellie Tolvanen, Alex Carrier, Yakov Trenin, who did not have a good game last night, um, Tanner Janot, Matthew Olivier. You know, that none of, you know, we, ex- we did not expect those players to, to be, you know, huge factors in this team's turnaround. Um, John Hines, I, you know, we, we, most of our listeners know how I feel about John. Um, I think he's a really good coach. And although some of his personnel decisions in the postseason were questionable, this turnaround does not happen without him. And I think 
he has somewhat uh, won over um, Predators fans. I mean, I got tweets within minutes of the game ending last night about firing uh, John Hines and David Boyle. Um, so people did not waste time looking ahead. Um, well, so but when that, you, that's when the you, complexity of the situation. Yes. When you look at it the way that I just spelled it out, when you get when you really dig into it, I think you can feel good about some of the things that took place this season. I think this team got the firm kick in the ass it's needed for years um, because of John challenging them to be better. And we've talked about for years as well, before the podcast, of course, and on the podcast, that the Predators farm system did not really have much to offer. Now, do they have any elite prospects on the way? You know, you hope that Philip Tomasino can be a player. I wouldn't call him elite, but he was on the AHL's all-rookie team. But now you have a top four defenseman in Alex Carrier that you can trust in huge minutes. You have Ellie Tolvanen, who came into his own early in the season and became a, a huge threat on the power play. You know, think about where the Predators would be without Tanner Janot and Matthew Olivier and Yakov Frenin on that line with Colton Sissons. They might have um, had a win in game six. <laughs> that is true, but in the grand... I, I'm, I'm kidding, Yakov. You've were, been great. Yakov's yeah. been great. You're going yeah. more autopsy than you are a crime scene right now. I know, but <laughs> I've never been one to be brief when it comes to speaking. But, the, but <laughs> let, so I. I will wrap it up by saying this. I think if you're a Predators fan and you feel encouraged by some things that you saw over the last couple of months of the season and in the playoff series, I think you are right to feel that way. But if you're conflicted at the same time about yeah. the, 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 the overall direction of the franchise, that's right too. So I think for the past couple of years when they've missed the playoffs, excuse me, when they, when they were eliminated from the playoffs, um, particularly the series against Dallas and last year against Arizona. There really wasn't anything good to feel about this team. It, it, it really felt like there was nothing optimistic. Um, but I feel like this time there is at least a, a bright side of sorts. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the, that. I, I think that's the right way to, to phrase it, that two things can be true. At the same time, you can be really de de devastated and pissed off that your team gave up two third period leads in a row with a chance to beat a team that is clearly better than you. And you can be pissed off about that, that they made little mistakes and that the stars didn't make the big plays that they needed to, while the other team didn't make the little mistakes and their stars did make the big plays they needed to. So I think you can be pissed off about that and also say to your point that this series loss feels different than the other ones. It feels differently because of maybe it's because we were, you know, you and I are both guilty of this kind of like writing the team off, you know, when they're 11, 16 and one or whatever, back in mid March. I buried so, their asses. So I, I think, I, I think those that you can hold both of those things in your mind. I, I think, you know, how much of each one of those things do you feel on any given moment if you're a diehard fan and you're kind of pissed that your team's season is over? You know, that's hard to tell people, right? Like, hey, don't worry. There's some positive things here. You and I view this through a large-scale lens over years and years and years, not just in the moment. But in the moment, fans are – you have to be pissed 
that your team didn't finish the job when it had two different chances to extend the series and you couldn't do it. And I, I think that's very frustrating, but they also, they also significantly overachieved against the team that was one of the top three in the record, you know, in, in the NHL this year four overtime games, you had what 18 minutes and 55 seconds of total time in like a 400 plus minute series in which there was a two goal lead and six, six or seven of that came in like game six where you're, you have a chance to win. So I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's very complex and I think both things are true. We'll have a lot of time this off season to sort of dive into all of the big questions that we've got moving forward. But I, I know it's, I know it's not a sexy answer, but it's, but the answer is both, right? The answer is you can be pissed and also find things to be excited about at the same time. Yes. And I just wanted to look this up because I was curious. So in six games, the Predators and Hurricanes were within one goal for 415 minutes and 18 seconds out of 434 minutes and 13 seconds. Yeah, 1855. Yes, so you did the math already. So less than one period over six (laughs) games did a team have a multi-goal lead. I mean, when the Predators went up 3-1 last night, that was their first multi-goal lead of the series. So... I, I do agree somewhat with Ryan Ellis's take about how things look somewhat bright in terms of, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying exactly. No, I, I think it's, it's just that there is a silver lining is not the right term, but I think you explained it correctly. When you lose to Dallas and you're the higher seed and you're the favorite, it feels different. When you lose to Arizona, a really awful team that goes on and gets boat raced by your division rival, Colorado, it feels different. You know, that that soul-crushing moment in Game 7 against Winnipeg was disappointing, but you could, you could sort of look at it and say, all right, you know, it, it was, um, you know, it, it was the two best teams in the world that played a, a seven-game series, right? There's been disappointment at the end of all of these, and it's gotten progressively worse without any sort of light at the end of the tunnel, you fired the coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, you changed players. You, you, you made a big rebuild and a big re, recalibration this offseason, and some of it has worked. And so I think you look at those parts and you go, okay, there, there's a foundation with which to move forward. It doesn't take the sting out of the loss, though, right? It doesn't take the – like you were this close to beating one of the best teams twice, and you couldn't get it done. And so I'm okay with fans being pissed about that. First, and then secondly, saying to themselves, all right, I'm going to after I'm done getting pissed <laughs> and working out my frustrations, then I can start to take a breath and say, you know what, here are some of the things that are positive. And again, you wrote you wrote this in your story and we'll do a lot more of this as the offseason goes along, particular next week. The young talent, what parts of the core get, need to get moved? What free agents do they need to address the expansion draft? Like there's a lot of stuff here, some of which is positive. But that's sort of not in the moment now, right? I think that's. I think it's going to take some time for fans to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we sit here heading into Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, the entry draft is in July. The expansion draft is in July. Free agency is in July, all within a couple weeks of each other. So for the next month and a half. You know, things will probably be quiet. Um, 
and we'll have plenty of time to think about uh, those next steps. Um, but at, at, you know, to recap what I said, not so eloquently, and you did more succinctly. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this and you're mad, you have every right to be mad. Yeah. But if you are feeling less mad about this than you were about the past two postseason exits, I think you're allowed to do that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple of quick notes of the game itself. Of course, the power play is still a major problem, <laughs> not just in the game, but in the series. Roman Yossi going out certainly didn't help this team. Um, when, when your best player and your captain is clearly shaken up and woozy, um, not only are you concerned about his health, but you know clearly that was a major impact on the team. And I guess I think the third period, and, and maybe you can go back to the third period of game five as well. I just think what where, where, where the Predators are and where Carolina is, is that Carolina, their stars made plays and they were relentless and we're going to take advantage of a tiny mistake if you gave it to them. And Yakov trying to, you know, you ice the puck and then you miss an assignment and all of a sudden, boom, the game's tied. And and Sebastian Ajo does something spectacular in overtime. UC Saros had no chance. And that we don't Roman Yossi's not on the ice. And that is that could that's the difference when you're in a in a series like this, playing against a team like Carolina that's as good as they are. And um, you, you just, you gotta, we said this on the last one, you gotta make your big time players have to make big time plays and Carolinas did and Nationals did not. And that third period, well, when the Predators made it three, one, and like I said, it was their first two goal lead of the series. Um, things were looking good. I mean, the Predators were taking it to them in the, in the second period. And if they, if they were able to maintain that, you know, we'd be talking about a game seven tomorrow when Matthias Ekholm failed to clear the puck on the power play. Dougie Hamilton scooped it up and, and threw it towards the net and Ajo was there. Um, things got a little bit tight um, in the building for sure. A lot of tight Ajos, as I previously said. Um, <laughs> some puckered, puckered Ajos? Some puckered Ajos, perhaps. But that third <laughs> period was like... I don't know how UC Saros kept that game with a one goal lead for as long as he did. Yeah. He was under siege from the, from the, from the get go. Um, I got my sport logic stats handy. The hurricanes had six, six slot shots on net through two periods. They had nine in the third. Um, the predators had 41 seconds of offensive zone possession time in the third period. Wow. The game played in the Predators defensive zone for the majority of the third period. Without and, their without their best player and captain for the majority of the third period. Right. And when when Yakov Trenin had the icing and then missed his assignment on the game tying goal by Dougie Hamilton you had a feeling that the Predators probably weren't going to respond. Um, And to your point, think about the players who made huge plays for the Carolina Hurricanes over the course of the series. Sebastian Ajo, Dougie Hamilton, Jordan Stahl, Jordan Stahl. um, Svechnikov actually didn't have a huge series. Svechnikov had a quiet series. Um, 
you know, they even got a couple of goals in game. Uh, they got three goals from Brock McGinn over the course of the series. Um, he scored two in game four. Well, and, and, and last night. And we're missing the one of the big ones here. Nadelkovich as a rookie yeah. was ex- was exceptional. Yes, he was. He w- he had a, a very good series. So think about all of the players I just named and you named for the Hurricanes. Now think about their counterparts on the on the Predators. Um, outside of the series opening goal, where was Philip Forsberg? Um, yep. Roman Roman Yossi had had his moments, um, but again, you know, struggled to make a huge impact offensively. Um, Carolina has been very good against Roman Yossi. Yes, they have. For whatever they, reason. Like Roman's pass on the five-on-three to Ryan Johansson oh, last unbelievable. was a thing of beauty. I mean, Roman Yossi is an elite defenseman, and when he gets that opportunity, he makes plays like that. The problem is in recent postseasons, those plays have not been frequent enough. Um, Victor Arvidsson was an afterthought when he was in the lineup. Um, and we'll talk Dude, about this. We'll Matthew talk, Shane. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Arvidsson on, in the autopsy show. I think he needs to be done in Nashville, but we'll uh, we'll get to that at another time. Nice tease. Um, it's good. good. Yes. Um, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, they played well at times. Um, but you know what? Star players or supposed star players – aren't taken off the power play in the middle of a playoff series. Like, you know, Matt Duchesne had a, had a, a huge goal in game three. Ryan Johansson was on, was on the score sheet multiple times. I think he scored three goals in the series. Yeah, I mean, a huge one on, in game six. Yeah. Ryan Johansson had a solid series, but yeah. not enough. Like, where, where were those guys? And you know, that was, that's sort of been the story of the season. When you look back at all of the great things that have happened for this team, especially in the second half, what players are we talking about? We're talking about UC Soros. We're talking about Ellie Tolvanen. We're talking about Tanner Janot. We're talking, we're talking about Yakov Trenin. Yes. We're talking about, I mean, like Nick Cousins. We're talking about Eric Halla. Nick Cousins, by the way, had a very good series. Um, what, what, and here, here's the other thing, like Mikhail Granlund's a really good player, yes. but he was the, like the last addition to the team. Like, it's not like he was a foundational piece that right. was coming into the season as like one of the best players. He was a guy that was trying to, they tried to let walk and sort of just fell back into a relationship with, and he turned out to be the best, arguably one of the best players on the team this year. That that's not how it's supposed to work. Right. Like There's definitely some backsliding. Isn't that, is that the term when like you go back to your ex backsliding? I don't know. I, I, dude, I haven't, I haven't dated in a long time. <laughs> You're a geriatric millennial. I'm just that, a regular. That, that's true. I am. Um, but, I'm not sure which one of those two things I'm more offended by actually. Well, I'm not the one that came up with the term, but the, but the point is, is that Carolina's star players made big time plays more often than the Predator star players. And again, we'll tease this. I'll tease this now. We'll talk about it more next week. Like, this core has got to get shaken up somehow. Like, yeah. they it just, can't, it just can't come back this way. Like, they've had too many opportunities. We'll get into it. But the point is, Carolina's star players could be counted on. 
Yep. The Predators players, yep. star players, or supposed star players, as I like to call them, could not. So yep, I, I agree. And like you said, there's a lot of um, digging through the dead carcass that we're going to do uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. So speaking of um, dead carcass, Scott Stapp was in attendance last night. <laughs> wow, that's a brutal segue. I will say that like we can talk about the atmosphere quickly here to wrap up in sort of like a positive way, because over 14,000 people. Smashville was back. Um, you know, you can say what you want about how many people were vaccinated or not, but the bottom line is, is the atmosphere was insane. It, it felt good to see it. It felt good to be a part of it on, on Friday night, the game I got to go to. Um, and, and I'm sure that I, I've got some, some questions about a couple of people in, in attendance, um, <laughs> but, but um, I'm not sure why the Preds are reaching out to David Portnoy, but that's just me. Um, the, there's a couple other things in there. We apparently he lost $25,000 on the game last night. I am not, that doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, but yeah, let, let's, <laughs> I guess we have to get into the, yes, let's creed, get into the Scott creed, the creed appearance because what, what, what ensued at my family's house with about 15 of us sitting around after a couple of cocktails and a wonderful meal and watching the game. And certainly Preds fans were, were, were upset and raw, but it turned into a Eddie Vedder, voice creed pearl jam nickelback voice contest that was simultaneously hilarious and probably incredibly annoying at the same time so um there was a lot of debate uh there was a lot of uh bad singing um it, i thought it was thoroughly entertaining and i uh, it's it, but all, all inspired by the fact that that <laughs> Creed was playing an intermission at Bridgestone Arena. So let's so let's set this up. And and, and for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you, you saw me like freaking out about Scott Stapp last night. So at five forty five last night, the small time rock stars who are a regular on the band stage tweeted out the following: If we read the Twitterverse correctly, at Joe Rex Road, we'll really like our first intermission guest tonight as pre at Preds versus Canes game six. Go Preds. Adam Vingan, maybe not. So I read that, and I like to give Joe crap for his, you know, his holier-than-now rock music tastes. And I always tease him about Creed um, for some reason. Wait, wait, wait. Joe so, Rexrode likes Creed? No, he does not like Creed. Okay, it was okay. a joke. It was it was a, meant to be a joke by the small-time rock stars. Yeah, no, I, I got that. I just... I just so, so I quote tweeted that because Creed sucks, by the way, one minute later at 545 and said Creed as a joke, as a joke. And then <laughs> before the game, somebody sent me a Instagram story screenshot of Scott Stapp on the band stage with the small time rock stars. And I was just like, <laughs> holy shit, it actually was Creed. So, like. I, you know, I was hamming it up about the Creed stuff on the, uh, on the twits uh. last night. And on, at the first intermission, Scott Stapp played two Creed songs with the small time rock stars. What did he play? He played Higher and My I Sacrifice. Care. I don't care. You asked. <laughs> no, so I know, I know. Like the thing about, here's the thing about Creed. Like I remember reading like years ago and I don't have the stats to back this up that Creed was the highest selling rock band of the 1990s. It's very possible. Like, first, I, I of all, yeah. first of all, think about the fact that 20 years ago, you would have had to pay hundreds of dollars to see a Creed performance. And well, it's, I got to see it for free. It's the same with Nickelback. Like they, like 
their their music is atrocious, but you can't fault the 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 success. Like it's no. there. Like Nickelback is worldwide incredibly famous and has lots of revenue. <laughs> They've made lots of money. It doesn't change the fact that I think both of their their music sucks really bad. Like I don't think it's good at all. They yeah. all just were ripping off Eddie Vedder. And you know, again, now we're getting into like music snobbery here. But you know, they, well, they were, you, can't, you can't argue the success. You can't argue that. I I am a huge pop culture fanatic, so I can appreciate things like this. All all singers in the '90s basically sounded the same. They all they all sounded like Eddie Vedder. I did my Creed impression off the top, but everybody sounds that way. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably why uh it's probably why the white stripes and the black keys came around about 1999 <laughs> is, yeah. is is was in response to all that crap but anyway like, i could like you could get scott stapp to sing even flow and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference <laughs> stop it that's insulting <laughs> to eddie better <laughs> but i guess but guess what happened see that that's what that's what yeah. they all you 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 actually sound better doing Eddie Vedder than you do during Creed, doing Creed. It, it, but again, this was literally that, that's Can literally. You take me higher. <laughs> See, that what, sounds like Eddie Vedder too. What what Addie, what Adam Vingen is doing right now is basically what happened in the living room at my house with like nine people all doing the voice the whole time. And it was... All right, all right, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Uh, do you have any more Creed takes? Because I, I, don't, I don't really have any Creed takes uh, uh, other than the fact that we just kept arguing with each other after the after the game. Creed was the most successful rock band of the 90s. They had four top 10 hits on the Billboard charts. <laughs> Anything else? No. <laughs> All right, it's well. like... And, I, listen, and, I'm not gonna and, lie. I listened to it back in 1997 when I was four, 14, and I had no taste. Okay, you're right. I did. I listened to it. How do you feel about Lifehouse? They they were like like you said. They, everybody kind of sounded the same. They all had their one hit. I was in high school. I was very impressionable. I had no taste. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I have evolved. My taste has evolved. I, I have uh, grown into uh, finer things in life. How about that? I would like to do, but you know, I I. You know, Mikhail Granlund scores that goal to open the second period. And with arms wide open, he embraced his teammates. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, uh, the Gold Standard Podcast. With arms wide open, under with, the sunlight. The Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by Jaspers. What is the parking at Jaspers like? It's really free with spots <laughs> wide open. <laughs> What do you think about the menu? <laughs> what about what about the, uh, the 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 grab and go market? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the patio and the private private viewing room? Much, you're putting too much pressure on me. Too much? You can't handle it? <laughs> no, I thought the with spots wide yeah, open. That was, that, was, that was pretty good. You you earned a break. There's no question about it. Go to Jasper's, man. It's a great place to spot. It's a great great spot to watch the games. Um, whatever games you're watching. Now you got some Nashville LC stuff. Um, you got baseball, of course. You got the uh, SEC tournament um, wrapping up this weekend. And, and, of course, getting into the NCAA baseball tournament, Vanderbilt, Tennessee. All these SEC teams are really good. So uh, there's still a lot of good stuff out there. Keep watching the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, all that good stuff. So Jasper's is still a great place to go do that. Of course, pay for good journalism. 
uh, at the athletic you, you know retro's got a column up there you got a co- you got a story up there and you and i will be back next week on our normal schedule wednesday morning gold standard will come out and we will have a thorough autopsy of the 2021 season as we pick and dig through the the carcass that is the end of the season uh and and what and was the season so uh, any parting shots for game six and the series I, again i think it's okay to be pissed that the team choked away i don't want to call i don't think it was choking away i just think carolina was better but you, you you did have opportunities that you missed and i think that's the the lesson you're taking away from this in the short term is you've got to figure out ways to finish the job take opportunities that are given to you and, and have your big name players do that for you because that's what Carolina did and that's why they're still playing. And I don't know how long, Tampa it looks awfully good, but that's my takeaway and I'm okay with Preds fans being a little bit spicy and also optimistic at the same time. Spicy and optimistic, much like the menu at Jasper's. For Adam Vingan, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening to the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network. My sacrifice.